5: Macario dans l'axe, Macario. Oh
2: quel
4: geste,
5: quel geste exceptionnel de Katarina Macario. C'est magique. Welcome to Upfront. I'm Flo Lloyd Hughes.
4: I'm Chloe Morgan, and I'm Rachel O'Sullivan.
5: We're away. England kick off Euro 2022 with a 1-0 win over Austria on a memorable night in Manchester. The performance might not have been pretty, but what an incredible occasion it was. All three of us were in Old Trafford, so we're going to reflect on the night as a whole and pick apart the game. Hello to listeners joining us on the main Ramble feed. Lovely to have you. Lovely for you to be here with us the morning after... Such a
4: memorable night. You get what to a listen night to our was. dulcet tones, yeah. reflecting on a wonderful match.
5: No one's hungover. No one's tired, are they? Just fresh face.
4: No. no. No,
5: we're doing, I was going to say, we all had like late nights for various different reasons. We stayed out in Manchester. Well, producer Charlie Finn, myself, uh, Rachel needed to get some important sleep. Thank you. Chloe left the game early, but didn't get back probably the, until the latest of <laughs> yes. all of us yeah. in London. So I had a wild
2: one on the one. West Coast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, it was. It was a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, coming in. It was a o'clock. roller coaster. Yeah,
4: that was quite a fun journey home. <laughs> now.
2: Um, Not when you expect a nice, smooth journey, just to get back at a reasonable time and just, you know, enter your duvet at, at, you know, 12 o'clock in the morning. uh, Enter your duvet. I'm now
5: entering the duvet. That's how it felt. (laughs) And was it busy? Were there a lot of fans that left the game or...?
2: No, it was fairly empty. It was basically full of um, commuters, which is a bit weird. Oh. Um, yeah, bizarre journey back, but we got delayed. It, I mean, this is very boring chat. So
4: boring. Just <laughs> yeah, got to start with the admin New chat. Listeners. We love a bit of admin chat at the you beginning. You always
5: do the admin chat at the beginning, so it's very busy and it was delayed. Yeah, basically, and then I got a taxi back and I ended up in bed at about half two, and now it's what time is it? It's half eight. That, so yeah, yeah that but, is that is basically because I only went to bed a little bit later because I wanted to get a Burger King, so I actually could have been asleep before you, which it seems mad because I went out into the early Flo, hours. But. Flo
4: is unreal this morning. She's wide awake, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. I'm a she morning had, girl. What can I, I the say? Copies, She's the, the drunk. drunk. She has cross-arms No, I wasn't
5: even that pissed. It's, it's insane. I've never seen anything like it. Um, let's get to the football. Um, start with the opening ceremony, which... For a little bit of time, I was really worried that the players weren't going to be able to see a thing because this (laughs) always happens when they go mega on the fireworks and then there's just like a huge cloudy fog that kind of wraps around the whole pitch and then the players can't see anything. But it actually
4: dispersed quite quickly. I did think initially it wasn't good because I'm a photographer for those of you who don't know. So I was kind of sitting pitch side going, Uh What am I going to shoot? It's (laughs) just going to be like random, you know, shadows coming out of the mist. Um, But no, it was, it was pretty epic, pretty epic show. And then by the time the anthems and everything were done, um, it had lifted. But I want to rewind a fraction to pre-match. We arrived maybe two and a half hours before kickoff and as we came out in our Uber, you kind of passed over the fan park. I swear to God, Sophie next to me in the car nearly started crying. There it was, was just mega. thousands and thousands and thousands. It was two and a half hours before kickoff. Like, I don't even normally get to a match that early <laughs> as media. These guys are all here partying way in advance. It was It was insane to see, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, and I also feel like I think we said this in a couple of the build up shows we've been doing that we, I mean, I certainly was because I, I can be a bit pessimistic, but I was a bit sceptical because I felt like people really weren't taking notice of, of the tournament and getting excited in the, in the host cities and things like that. But yesterday completely changed that for me because the fan parks were absolutely rammed. There were queues everywhere. Even the queue for a programme, which I'm annoyed I didn't get one now, but the queues for the programmes were like 10 people deep. At every single stall. It was just crazy. Um, and from even like two hours before kickoff, the place was just buzzing. And then I was like, OK, no, this does feel like such a big occasion. And then seeing the players come out for the warm ups and the noise that England were greeted with even then, it was just spo- so, so, so special. Chloe, I don't know how you were feeling last night. Yeah,
2: well, I think the, the atmosphere there was just unprecedented. And I think for me, I know we had a, a bit of a catch up earlier on in the day, but it just felt like it had started from nine o'clock in the morning as soon as everyone woke up in Manchester. And, you know, you had the fan activation zone in the middle of the town centre and that got everyone going at midday and then going down to the fan park and then sort of seeing all the games that are on show, all the flags and the you know, the clappers that are being handed out and all the volunteers. I've got to give a shout out to them because they were just unreal in creating the atmosphere and... Every single one of them had a, a great, like, smiling face in them, giving out, you know, all this all this free stuff and merch. And, yeah, it just created this massive, like, beautiful vibe. And it kind of felt like um, it was a, a massive part of history. And I think they really celebrated that. And then as soon as you sat in the stands and, you know, you sort of looked out and saw that there was not a single empty seat in that stand, you really kind of felt that like you were part of something pretty bloody special. And, yeah, the opening ceremony, I mean, that was just, um, it
4: was like the Olympics. I am a sucker for fireworks and fire. Yeah, I'm just fi- like, more of that fireworks was, was, oh, yeah. like The fireworks was... Pyrotechnics, I the, just f- get so distracted.
5: The fireworks and the pyrotechnics were 10 out of 10. I was a little bit disappointed with the flag situation. With
4: the little dance at the beginning. Yeah, it, oh, was, oh, just, it was just a bit of
5: flag flow no 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 I didn't want a flag I was she disappointed with <laughs> and the flags flag. and the kids waving the flags and like that was lovely I just wanted like you know wanted some Ella Henderson vibes I wanted some kind of big performer in the middle of the pitch or like you know do you remember when no, Pitbull no that's too do NFL when, do you remember when Pitbull did for, I think it was for Pit the Pit 20, 2014 World, World Cup in Brazil he did like a ridiculous like everybody shake your ass kind of situation I would needed something like that I oh yeah like that, that. would have gone down an absolute treat
2: everybody shake your ass at the fucking women's you 2022. Flow.
4: Yeah. Do and you know big. how to twerk? <laughs> yeah, let's remember how that went down.
5: <laughs> I don't know. I just needed a bit of. um that was great. But, but the, you know who was really good? The DJ who Jaguar.
4: Yeah, oh, you,
5: and actually, yeah, she. Good. I think she came, or she was going to come to the thing last night. That shout out Katie from the Stack team was DJing at as well, but I don't know if she made it. So we've got a real, real um, Euro's DJ crew forming, like an ultimate team. But I thought she was brilliant, and that really did build the atmosphere. And then and we got to cut the to Beth Mead's goal that nearly wasn't a goal, but it was a goal. And the noise when that went in and then Mead's reaction. Oh, it was so good. I'm actually getting goosebumps thinking about it. She is. I can,
4: <laughs> I can confirm that. It's I can crazy. see the hairs oh, where It's where making standing me all up.
5: tingly. Uh, she's he's still drunk.
4: <laughs> the game started probably not as we expected, I, I reckon. Um, Austria definitely came out of the blocks. I think we probably thought they were going. Australia played well they actually, did. And I, yeah, I think they did. we thought they were going to probably sit back a bit. Probably took advantage of 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 everyone thinking they were going to do that, and I think they pressed England really high quite early on in the game, which I don't think we expected. England didn't really get out of their half for a little while. Um, I was quite impressed with how Austria started. They know England are a bit of a second half team, so um, they were probably trying to capitalize on that. Uh, but yeah, that Beth Mead goal—I was way down the other end, didn't know what was going on. Saw it chip it, assumed it was in. Seemed to take an age for them to celebrate, and then. Then not celebrate and then celebrate again so that uh that serena Wiegmann celebration i don't know if we call it because we were obviously at the match but i did see it on a replay where she kind of did this really cute little like arm wave and she's then her so and then her hands went on her head when she was like oh no it's var and then she went back yeah. in the press conference afterwards someone asked her how she felt about that and she was like well at first i was happy and and then i was a little bit less happy and then i was happy again
5: <laughs> i love her so much she's just the best person ever i mean what you we were obviously in the press box um Producer Charlie, producer Finn, and and you, Chloe, were in in with the in the, with the fans, and with the ultras. What was it like <laughs> in the stands when that goal went in?
2: It was absolute chaos. It was just absolute madness, and everyone just exploded. Um, and I think it was it was that kind of initial fear of oh my god, has it actually gone over the line? And then the ref called it, and we were like oh god, okay, there's another explosion. And then VAR came on. It was like okay, oh god, have we, we celebrated this way too soon? And then VAR was like yeah, no, we've got it again. And it was an, another absolute explosion. So there was about three explosions in the space of about fifteen seconds. It was um, it was huge. I couldn't see anything. People were screaming, crying. Um, <laughs> Stop yeah, it. <laughs> Emotion. and that was mainly me but it was just like it was just so emotive it was just beautiful to watch and um, you know I think that goal had been coming for, for a while and I agree with what Rachel said that you know Austria definitely came out and, and pressed hard and I think it did um, actually spark off a couple of um, mistakes on the back line especially in the in and around the penalty area which I think was a little bit nervy for everyone initially but I think after about 15 minutes or so it felt like England seemed to find their feet and started to actually play um, better football and I think they were starting to string passes together gain their confidence Obviously, it's a big crowd. It's a big occasion. And you need to sort of get yourself out of those, you know, rusty, um, rusty nerves phase at the sort of start of the game. And um, you could really see that something was going to come because Ellen White just seemed to be or seemed to have a head on absolutely everything. And the ball's being threaded into the box, um, both on the uh, well, the left hand side. I thought Hemp was absolutely brilliant. Um, but, yeah, it, it felt like it was
4: coming and, uh, and the crowd were ready for it. Multiple I, times over. There was definite nerves, I think, which is totally understandable. I mean, I think a lot of people we spoke to were expecting a higher score from England. Um, I mean, the way I look at it is a win's a win. The main thing is you want to kick off your Euros with a win. Um, probably would have liked to have scored more goals, but there was definite nerves. I thought I thought Hemp struggled a little bit in the first half. I thought Rother from Austria... Did a really good job of marshalling her. They ended up switching her to the other side, and um, so I thought she did a great job because everyone has talked about Hemp and, and what a danger and a threat she is. Um, I thought Millie Bright was outstanding at the back um, because you know Austria did get forward quite a bit, and um, they did send in. Uh, some pretty good crosses, and and she was there, kind of marshaling, marshaling them out. And we talked earlier about where Leah Williamson was going to play. She had been playing kind of defensive midfielder, and then she was partnering with Bright at the back. So, I think we were all a little bit intrigued to see how that was going to go. Um, but yeah, I thought Bright was brilliant. I thought Georgia Stanway as well was excellent. She got Player of the Match performance. Um, so it wasn't necessarily our forwards. I know obviously Meade scored, but it wasn't necessarily our forwards for me stealing the limelight. I thought Stanway and and Bright had, had brilliant games. Yeah,
2: I think um, on the back of that as well, I think... um with um, bronze I thought she had a really outstanding game I think um there were sort of the initial f- parts of the game or when they um, seemed to be under quite a lot of press I think she dealt with the uh, the pressure really well very cool calm collected um and she definitely spotted opportunities to also go and take you know 30 40 yard runs up, up the she field take in off. the first half yeah. yeah she literally did and became sort of part of a massive part of the attack so um yeah credit to bronze as well
5: so England going 1-0 I think people are getting very excited feeling good feeling confident and feeling feeling like they were probably going to go into another gear in the second half and kind of really, really punish Austria. And and the game was going to end, you know, three, maybe in four nil. Doesn't quite work out in the second half like that. And it ends up being quite a nervy last 15, 20 minutes. There were a few moments where I had my heart in my mouth a little bit and Mary Earps pulled off some really good saves. Yeah, she did. Um, and I think for me, across the whole 90 minutes, from the first sort of five minutes, like you mentioned, Rachel, when Austria put England under the cosh a little bit, England still look, when they're pressed hard, quite nervy, bringing the ball out from the back. So Against, against Holland, yeah. like we saw that a lot. Last night, we saw that. And I am starting to just, little bit, there's this little bit of doubt in the back of my mind, like, oh, you know, against a high-pressing and high, like high-intensity side like Spain, even though we we saw them play so well against Spain in the Arnold Clark Cup and tactically, Serena even just absolutely played a blinder. I'm just a little bit concerned about Millie Bright, Lucy Bronze, Leah Williamson. They're just taking a lot of risks. The risks are paying off, don't get me wrong. But, oh, I'm
4: getting, I'm getting nervous. So, a couple of things. We were, self and I were Here talking we about go. this yesterday. And,. We were saying while it got nervy at the end in that it was only one nil, we were like (laughs) having a two goal cushion would have made us an awful lot calmer. Didn't feel as nervous as you normally would coming to a end of a match like that. Like in the past, we would see England really kind of crumble and really make their own mistakes, if you know what I mean, really invite the other team back in. I don't feel like we saw that. I do think they were allowing Austria to kind of put a bit more pressure on them. But for me, they handled that pressure better than they have in the past. When we talk about the second half, you know, we've we've seen in the past that England tend to come on much stronger in the second half. I reckon as the game went on, the team started to kind of settle, the nerves started to settle. Once you bring in all those substitutions, we had three substitutions made at the same time All of those players now have to deal with the nerves of playing their first Euros opener at Old Trafford. And I'd say that was probably a little bit of the maybe why we didn't see the impact that we normally see from those. I do think Kelly, Russo, Toon brought like a whole bunch of energy, freshness, but I think they were nervous as well and probably didn't take their chances the way we would normally see them them take them. So I'd say there was an element of that for them.
2: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, game management wise, I think it's the the right thing to do. I mean, obviously they've been working on playing out from the back in um, quite a lot and also dealing with pressure at the back as well. And I think, you know, the old style of football was essentially just a hoof it away and then hope for the best and and hope that someone's going to keep it up there for for, uh, a few minutes to give yourself a little bit of space and time. But I think um, what we're starting to see now is that transition over the past couple of years and actually just being comfortable playing it around at the back and under pressure and, you know, trying to find some of those threaded passes through. And I think that's where, where the team seems to have got to and whilst it might seem a bit hairy to watch it's actually a sort of a fairly controlled affair and I think um, I actually enjoyed that style of play so credit to them for, for keeping up um you know those kind of more dangerous balls at, at the uh, at the edge of the box because that's a real tre- test of, uh, of talent and uh, and you know being calm under pressure so yeah I'm all for it and it just makes it more dramatic my heart was um him a bum for a be- about
5: um about Jesus. half an hour actually yeah you ever Chloe, had that before chloe's gonna <laughs> poo
4: poo out her own heart never,
5: <laughs> never has anyone done that before this yeah. is um, why best. people should
4: listen to upfront. It's you know this is what you're missing out on it's a scientific marvel <laughs>
5: um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Rachel, you're right. A win is a win. And as much as I wouldn't have liked such a tense final 10, 15 minutes when I kind of wanted to be sick, um, they got the job done. It was really interesting. I mean, I'll make two, one of them very cliche, but last summer, which for so many Ramble listeners, I'm sure was like one of the greatest summer of their lives when England men made it all the way to the final of the Euros at Wembley. They started that tournament with a 1-0 win against Croatia at Wembley. Then they got a very crappy 0-0 draw against Scotland and a 1-0 win against Czech Republic in the final group game. And we know what happened next on that glorious summer. So there's reasons to be cheerful and hopeful and optimistic that, you know, just because you start the tournament with a fairly nervous 1-0 win doesn't, you know, write you off. We obviously know that. And then secondly, really interested to know your guys' thoughts on what Georgia Stanway said after the game. Because she was saying that she almost wished they hadn't have played "Sweet Caroline." I I don't really like "Sweet Caroline" anyway. I think I think we need a new song because I think it's been overplayed Ew. ever since the Euros. Because, Gets people going because they played it every single EFL ground. Like I can't get hyped up for bloody Exeter, Newport County, Sweet Caroline. Like, it's just not going to happen. So they should start playing it, um, not England. So, um, yeah. And so she was saying she thought, thinks it was almost too early to bash that out because people get too overexcited. And I suppose what was magic about last summer is Sweet Caroline wasn't forced. It kind of just naturally became this anthem as England progressed throughout the tournament. And then by the semifinal win, it was this, like, glorious kind of head loss moment. I'm actually getting goosebumps again. But... I'm kind of with Georgia a little bit. Like, I think for the for the crowd, it's amazing. And you can't say to the PA, like, don't do it because everyone wants it. Everyone is just, like, so thirsty for it. But at the same time, I think Serena and the players are like, I think we just need to tone it down.
4: Yeah, but, I mean, that's on them to tone it down. I think... Shut up, Georgia. No, but (laughs) as in like she was kind of saying after they're trying to have a conversation after the game and like sweet Caroline was whacked on straight away. I mean, (laughs) maybe they should tune it out because I think for the England, like women's football is in a different place to men's football is when it comes to, you know, hordes and hordes of really, really long term supporters. Obviously, there's a lot of long term supporters out there of the women's team. But when we're talking about a full stadium you know, that have traveled far and away, that have their chance, that know the different chance for the different players and all that kind of stuff. It's it's slightly more uh, in a younger place, women's football. And I think these kind of songs get the crowds going, get the crowds behind the team.
5: It was one of the best atmospheres. I have I think Ellen Road was really good. Ellen Road was
4: really good. Tell I tell you what, Barcelona, Real Madrid, not to rub it in, yeah. but that was <laughs> a Some of, of us didn't get to go to that one, all
5: right, Rachel? But um, it was a really good atmosphere. And, and I think like uh, what i loved what i really loved was seeing like and, and i don't mean this in like a in, in a negative way but like Uh-oh. seeing like you know a 40 year old man in an england shirt being like come on fucking get stuck in like you know like off his seat being like <laughs> get clear it fucking rosette like that's what i live for and although that like mexican wave is brilliant and like i saw my my friends last night and they brought their nine-year-old niece and the Mexican wave was like the highlight of the whole night and she was <laughs> so excited for it. And I was like, that's brilliant, but I want that and I want this guy losing his mind over Millie Bright, smashing it into Rosette. Marry that together and everyone to be happy and everyone yeah. have to have a lovely time and that's the recipe for success. decisions for Wigman to think about because I think a lot of people were surprised not to see Alex Greenwood in the starting lineup yesterday after she's played the majority of the warm up games at uh, left side centre back. Uh, she can play at left back. We didn't see her in the back four. We saw Rachel Daly at left back and we saw Liam Williamson uh, as the p- centre back partner with Millie Bright. What do you guys think about that? Would you stick with this back four or do you think Riegemann should slot Alex Greenwood back in?
4: Um, I think for uh, Ramble listeners, go back and listen to our preview episode because we spoke about the Leah Williamson conundrum. Um, Leah Williamson gate. Well, you know, (laughs) she has been playing defensive midfielder. She is captain, you know, so you're going to expect her to start. But Alex Greenwood has been playing. That partnership with her and Millie Bright has been brilliant. Being left-footed, Serena Vigman has said she really likes having a left-footed centre-back in there. And the two of them can ping out balls to the wings, to Mead, to Hemp. We saw it against Belgium. They are pinpoint crosses. Um, And I really like having that. But we also talked about the fact that we don't think she's necessarily going to play the same eleven for matches. I think she is going to mix things up. We think she might mix up formations as well. We think we might see uh, four-two-three-one, which we've seen in the past, and that's where we see Leah Williamson in pairing with Kira Walsh in a kind of defensive um, pairings, uh, defensive midfield pairing. So we might see that again. Um, but you know, we said that when they're playing more attacking we would likely see a 4-3-3, which is what we saw last night. So perhaps against Norway, we might see that 4-2-3-1, just to give them a bit more solidity at the back with two defensive um, midfielders. So we could see Alex Greenwood back there. But I would like to see her play. Um, she's also great at set pieces. She takes her corners as well. We
5: didn't get a lot of set piece opportunities. I think we only had that. Felt like we only had that one free kick in the first half, and then we had a, a, hand, in the a handful, handful of corners.
4: But yeah, the set pieces weren't great. Also, last the corners night. they kept going short. Yeah, I literally oh, I'm way gonna, too, The first half is way too deep. I'm gonna uh, march onto the pitch one day and just I'm gonna kick the ball out of the. Stadium because if they do one more short corner and then they don't work and then they do another one and it doesn't work and then they do another one and I'm just like what like what is the thinking behind this so at least Alex Greenwood can ping in a ball
2: Yeah I think um, well to be honest I, I think I, I enjoyed the partnership yesterday uh, with Brighton and Williamson I think there was a few shaky moments uh, in the first 10-15 minutes um, a lot of nerves coming in but I think that would have been expected from anyone at the back when Austria was, was sort of um, laying down the press pretty hard but you know no, I, I think it's, um, it's difficult it's going to be difficult one for, for Greenwood to take because I think she has played so amazingly in some of the lead-up games and obviously the season that she's had and um, that and she does have a, part, a great partnership with, with Bright but I think for me, I think uh, Leah Williamson really showed her stuff yesterday she definitely captained um, Ridiculously well, obviously got the uh the win for the squad, but also I think um there was a lot of amazing little three balls that she played and sort of created off so, so some of the um the good counter attacks. and I think um now it's going to be a case of Leah keeping her shirt for a while, maybe Greenwood stepping in for maybe one of the last games of this group stage. Um, if we're doing well, um, but I think Leah's going to stay. I think the partner's just going to stay she, for a while.
4: I don't see her dropping Leah, mm-hmm. I just no. wonder what position she'll be yeah, she, in. Yeah, she can't, she can't, she, she might shift can't up, not be yeah. in the team,
5: so it's whether whether she shifts around. I think. She probably might against Norway because she's going to want a bit more defensive yeah, cover. I think so. But Kira Walsh and George Stanway were fantastic were. last night. So um, yeah, I, I, it's going to be really interesting, and we will dig into that in our next episode on Saturday. Um, but tonight, Northern Ireland get their Euros campaign underway with a tough first yeah. game against Norway. That is that's a hard one. I'm I hope they can just be really solid and try and restrict Norway to as little opportunities as possible because whenever I watch nine and play, they just don't create a lot of opportunities. There's obviously a massive reliance on Rachel Furness to like carry the team. Um, so, you know, with they do score with, a lot with what they create, but they don't create much. So, yeah, yeah I think it's gonna be a t- it could be a tough one.
4: Yeah, and I, not that Norway have any particularly weak areas, um, but if there's any area you're going to target, it's probably going to be their back line. I think they've got quite a young goalkeeper as well. But the firepower in that team, you know, you've got your Guru Raiden, who had an outstanding season for Chelsea. Ada Hegerberg is back for Leon, back scoring the goals after a long injury. She was away from the Norwegian team for a number of years as well. Um, and she is one of the best players in the world. You've got Caroline Graham Hansen on real season for Barcelona. You know, if these guys are have got their shooting boots on, it's going to be a hard evening for for Northern Ireland. But they are pretty solid defensively. We saw that in both first halves when they played England. So England have Northern Ireland and Austria in their World Cup group as well as their Euro. It's annoying. That's it's really so boring. boring. Like it's yeah. really.
5: Every, all three teams must be like, oh, for fuck's sake. These
4: guys again. Um, yeah, so I reckon we might see them tight in the first half but I think the other thing that Norrie will probably have is, is a fitness edge over them so yeah I, I'm looking forward I'm going I'm going to the game tonight I'm looking forward to seeing Northern Ireland kick off their first major tournament match it's going to be brilliant for them um, I can't wait to see tough. what Kenny Shield says in the in the post-match <laughs> press conference
5: it's always a wild ride with Gold. him and <laughs> um, we have to mention a very very heartbreaking story that broke the day before the Euros. The fourth, day before the Euros, yeah, and that Tuesday. would have been what the day after we—oh, not long after we recorded. Yeah. Did we record on Tuesday. In my mind, I can't remember what day it is, but um, I'm sure lots of people may have seen Alexia Piteas, Ballon d'Or winner, uh, Spain's you know key player. She tore her ACL in training. She's out for the tournament. And it's absolutely gutting.
4: It was the worst. It started uh, trickling through around 5, 5.30 on, in the evening. Really weirdly, the Spanish team did this like behind the scenes video of Pateas. That was bizarre. Coming out of a lift on a pair of crutches and like hobbling off, felt to, really sorry for yeah, her. hobbling off to hospital. And I was like, this is taking transparency to a whole new level. They were basically like, it was almost like, we know we've got some good content. If we tweet about a possible injury, we'll get loads of engagement. Um, and then sure enough, it was confirmed around eight o'clock that she'd done her ACL. And not only missing this euros but because of covid we've got a world cup next year and that's the other thing that you're worried about like is she going to make it back in time for that but i just not only feel for her feel for the spanish team feel for the fans like you one of the best uh, players in the that's world that's what's really
5: sad i think it has a massive impact on the tournament as a whole and i kind of tweeted this slightly ironically obviously saying you know we should just cancel the whole euros but it, it, she is such a big part of women's football at the moment as a whole, as kind of a globally recognised figure. And it's just so gutting when someone like that can't play in this tournament. And yeah, I think it is, it's good, really going to impact the tournament, I think, because people would have come from like far and wide just to see her. Well, it,
4: it's like when, you know, your Tiger Woods, your Serena Williams were at the height of their careers and they'd get injured and miss a major tournament. And you always felt their absence if you know what i mean it was always a big thing and you you kind of remember that tournament because of the player's absence um so i think that's going to be the case we were also excited to see pateas in a major tournament at this level at the height of her career um, and it's just the cruelest way. I'm just feel really before. sorry
2: for her. Yeah, I think just yeah. on a
4: personal level, I think um I can't even imagine the kind of heartbreak that
2: she's under at the moment and um you know, not even to step one minute onto the field to play any any sense of the games this um this, this summer I think is going to be absolutely um gutting for her and I think you know with ACL injuries and the cup of rehab that you need um in the aftermath of those injuries, I think she will be not only looking at this tournament as a write off but potentially the uh, the World Cup because it's going to be incredibly tight for her to turn things around in a in a year's time and be ready um at that level because it's just such a slow process with ACL. So um no, I I feel really really, really fucking gutted for her. Really gutted for her. Yeah.
5: I will be at Spain Finland at Milton Keynes on Friday. Uh so we'll see what happens with Spain. I, I think, you know, they have still got a really good chance of getting yeah. out of the group, but yeah. it's absolutely gutting. Um what a first night, guys. What a first night. Up and running. I mean, I just hope that every uh, every game is as good as that one. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, an intense and tiring couple of weeks, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. So that is it for today's episode of Upfront. Join us on Saturday. We're going to be bringing reaction to Northern Ireland's game against Norway, Spain versus Finland and Germany versus Denmark. Remember, we'll be here three times a week throughout the tournament, so make sure you subscribe to Football Ramble Presents so you don't miss an episode. In the meantime, if you've got any questions for us, tweet us at Football Ramble, at Floyd Tweet for myself, at Girls on the Ball for Rachel or at Morgie on Squad 89. See you on Saturday.
3: Up front is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network.
0: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.